tell the wrong rights. That's interesting right there. Amen. All right. Well, uh, wow. Yeah, I bet you he did want you to hang around him. Amen. While you was there in Southeast Asia. Amen. All right. Well, it's good to see each of you here this evening. And the preacher was talking about involuntary movements. And uh, I was, well, my wife leaned over and whispered when you said about Mrs. Reno running down, running down hills. My wife said, I slide down hills. Amen. <laughs> And that's true. She's trying to heal it from the surgery. We're at her son's place, and he lives on a mountain. And uh, the, it's just really kind of it's a rough place to live. I'll just put it that way. And we go up his driveway, and you park at an angle. And I was going to back in the other day because I thought, you know, I need to back her up by the sidewalk where she can get out on the sidewalk because it's just really slippery grass. And she's like, no, 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 don't back in. She was afraid I was going to wreck or something going backwards, you know, and up the hill. And uh, then she's like, I'll just walk up. And she started to get out of the vehicle. I'm like, I'll just drive up forward. And she paid for not listening to me. Amen. And uh, she come out of the house the next day and went to get in the vehicle. And she slipped and fell. And she, I was talking and she disappeared. I thought the rapture took place. Amen. <laughs> and then I heard her over on the other side. I'm like, where did she go? And she's on the ground. And, of course, I ran over to make sure she was okay and because of the surgery that she just had. And uh, praise the Lord, she is okay. But that was her involuntary movement for the week. Amen. <laughs> Um, and talking about accents, preacher, I, um, you, you know we're missionaries, uh, and, and in Ghana, now, now we're Beckman and them, where they come from, that's French speaking, so I can do nothing with French. I like French fries, amen, and French toast, but that's about, that's, and wee oui, wee, oui, okay, I, I can say that, all right, but, uh, but, you know, beyond that, you know, so, but, but uh, in, in Ghana, uh, you know, you have, you know, the, you know, many local dialects, but, but everybody speaks English in the cities, but it's a British English because it was founded by the Brits. And, uh, and boy, when you first get there, you've got to listen real close. Because if you miss a sentence, you think they're speaking a different language. And it's, and it's English, but you just, they're talking fast. And, and uh, well, uh, I went to Africa. I, I actually went over to Ghana. And uh, after we'd started the church, maybe, maybe we'd been there maybe a year, Brother Springer. And uh, we'd come back, and one of the ladies that come to our church, we'd went to visit her. And I forgot about Ghana time. You know, in America, you know, in Ghana, you know, they say, I'm coming. That's a big popular phrase. I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming may mean they're coming right now. That might mean they're not going to be there for four hours. Amen. And uh, so we come back to visit this, this lady and her family, and she, we, we set up the time to visit. And, um, and so we got to her house, and she wasn't there. And so uh, we waited 15 minutes. She wasn't there. So I called. She said, oh, Pastor, I'm coming. <laughs> and uh, I'm not thinking Ghana. You know, so, so uh, we get back in the vehicle, and after a while, Angie says, you know, they use this phrase in Ghana, I am coming. I said, oh, man, you're right. We're in Sioux Falls. That might, be, that, that might mean the same thing. And uh, so I get her back on the phone. I said, uh, I said Sarah, I said, you, you, we're still here. You are coming. She said, oh, yes, Pastor, I am coming. I am coming. And uh, I said, how long will you be before you get here? She said, oh, she said, 45 minutes or an hour. I should be there. I am coming. I am coming. I said, we have, we have somewhere else to go. And uh, she said, well, come back then, but I'll be coming. But in the middle of all that, she stopped and she said, Pastor, she said, why are you talking funny? Why are you talking funny? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean I'm talking funny? And she said, you're talking like you're English in Africa or something. You're in America now. And I said, oh, man, I've just come back from Ghana, and, and, and I got that gun. I'm talking to you is the problem here. And she laughed. She thought it was the funniest thing. And, and, and y'all, like, just get on with preaching. Amen. But... Uh, <laughs> I guess you'd have had to have been there, amen. But uh, anyhow, it's really good to see y'all. Uh, we came here, uh, and if, if you're familiar with the book of Ruth at all, we're going to be turning, by the way, to Esther. 
But if you're, if, if, if you're familiar with Ruth, uh, you know the story that when Naomi came back to her land, she said, I went out uh, full and I come home empty. And I can say our testimony since we've come to Puyallup is we got here on empty and we're going to leave full. All we've done is eat since we've got here. Amen. And uh, man, we ate all day yesterday. That's, that's one of the benefits of cooking. Amen. You just get to eat while you cook. And, and uh, except for the pastor, he's the only one that didn't eat while he was cooking. And uh, uh, then, then ate last evening and then ate sushi today. And, and we've had a great time fellowshipping and eating and fellowshipping and eating. And again, I said it this morning, I'll say it tonight. If you need any more missionaries to Puyallup, you let us know. Amen. Uh, it's, it's, it's been good this weekend. Thank you so much to the church for your hospitality. Thank you for the mission house. Thank you for putting us up, for putting up with us. Uh, we have thoroughly enjoyed ourselves this weekend and enjoyed the hospitality. I also want to mention this morning when we watched the video, uh, y'all saw a tent at the very beginning of the video, and y'all bought that tent for us back in 15. We were in Ghana, and that tent is being put to use again. Uh, we're in the process of purchasing land where that tent will be set up, and, and Brother Augustine Mo will use that for their church building. So we want to thank you for that, and then we want to thank you as well for the hymn books that the church most recently bought us, and they're not there yet, but they're almost there. And uh, I believe it was, was, I believe it was 400 hymnals, I believe, 300 or 400, 300, all right. And uh, so we'll be using some of those given to the church plant that we just turned over in Sioux Falls, and then the others will go to the church plants, three different church plants there in uh, Ghana. And so thank you so much for that. That is a real blessing. And I'm not, I, I thank the Lord for any time anyone sends anything to help us in the ministry over there. Uh, it doesn't matter, it, you know, people sometimes, you know, churches love to get rid of, old song books, and, and when you're in a place where they have nothing, old song books are good, but do you know how proud I'm going to be to get off uh, there next January, get a container in, and give those churches new song books? Uh, I'm very excited about that. Many times we get seconds, thirds, and fourths, and they're falling apart when they get there, and it's a very rough place to start with, and, and, things, and they'll tape it up and make it work, but that, that's gonna, it's going to be real special to give them their own song books brand new, and thank you guys so much for that. One more thing before I preach, it's good to have... Beck May and his wife and family here, and I know they've been coming here for two years, uh, but we first met them in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, maybe two years and four months ago, something like that, and uh, they, they came after we started Falls International, I believe four months, and, there, and I was like, and we're just starting the church, and I was so excited uh, because we had several families at the beginning that just came and just were faithful. They were one of the faithful families, and, and you know, you're at the beginning of a church plant, you want to see faithful families. You want to see people coming back again and again, and they were coming, and then they came to me like four months in, and they said, Pastor, we've been looking for a church like this for four years, and we finally found you, but we are moving to Seattle. And I said, what? You're not allowed to do that. Amen. You have to, and, uh, and right away I thought, well, we're at in Seattle, and the Lord put this together where they could end up here, and uh, at, you know, at the church here, and thank you guys so much. Uh, for, for uh, taking them in, amen, and being a blessing to their family over these last two years, and, and just good to see you all here uh, this evening, amen, and uh, to get some catching up done. Um, and I know I said that was one last thing. We're going to fellowship a bit after the service, but one more last thing before I preach, amen, and, and that is the work party the pastor was talking about after the service. Uh, if, if somebody has tools, if somebody has tape measure, pencil, um, uh, you know, a jigsaw would be a, a blessing. We could probably cut out uh, for those hoods uh, to be pl uh, placed in tonight yet 
if anybody's game for that. I'm leaving early in the morning. I was hoping we could change our ticket. Things didn't work. But I'm, I'm, I'm up to help with that tonight if, if anybody wants to. I'm not going to do it alone. But if you want to come and, and, and work with me, uh, I at least want somebody there when I cut the hole in the wrong place. Amen. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but, but we can do that tonight. Amen. Uh, but, uh, but it, you know, so it'd be kind of an impromptu work party. But I'm, I'm all for that if y'all all for that. So, so we'll talk about that after the service. Esther chapter 4. We're going to take our text there. Esther chapter 4 and verse 11 is the only verse that I'm going to read for the, uh, just for the point of time, for the sake of time, and for the point of our text here this evening. Esther 4 and verse 11. The Bible says here, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. And I want you to read that last phrase there again with me, and then I'll catch you up on the story. I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and we'll get right into the preaching time this evening. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'd bless as we preach the word of God. Lord, there's nothing special about me. I, Lord, I'm a sinner. She just sang about I'm a sinner saved by grace, Lord God. I'm, I'm like anybody else here. Uh, Lord, I'm a person. Uh, Lord God, there's nothing special about, uh, Lord, the mailman. I'm just here to deliver the mail. But Lord, what's special is the word of God that's being preached. And Lord, I pray that as we preach the word of God tonight, we'd have your presence upon us, Lord. I pray that the presence of God would be here. I pray that the word of God would take root in hearts. Lord, as we preach to eyes, as we preach to faces, as we preach to ears, may the spirit of God take the truths of God's word and work them into hearts. And Lord, may there be decisions made tonight. May there be change affected, Lord, tonight in hearts that would, uh, Lord, that, 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 Lord, that, 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 that would turn into eternal rewards, Lord, for eternity. We're thanking you for what you're doing, how you're blessed. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So most of us, I think most of us here, understand the context of this story tonight. We understand, if you read the book of Esther, that a decree had been sent out uh, uh, by Esther's husband, inspired by a man named Haman. We call him that wicked Haman. A decree had been sent out that all of Esther's race of people were to be killed. Her entire race, the Jewish race, was to be killed. And, and we know that her cousin Mordecai had sent her a message. She is now the queen, and we don't have the time to get into the story of all that happened, but she is now the queen. She's a young Jewish girl that all of a sudden finds herself in a position of leadership, married to the most powerful man in the world at that time. And she is the queen. She's in the queen's house. And her cousin Mordecai sends her a message that a decree has gone out and her race of people is condemned by order from the king. And the king has no idea that his bride is Jewish. He has no idea that he has just allowed for the sentencing of her race, the condemnation of her race. And so Mordecai, her cousin, is begging her and pleading with her to go in unto the king to make a supplication for her people that they be not destroyed. And, and God gave me, I wanted to preach tonight, I wanted to preach about five different things to be honest with you, amen. And, but, but I really wanted to preach on a thought out of this passage on I'm willing to die to make a difference because Esther, in, in our story here, we find that Esther, she finds that her people were condemned. 
They were condemned by a copy of the decree from the king. And you and I have a copy of the decree from the king. Amen. And our race is condemned. The human race, the race you're part of, it's condemned tonight. And, and when she realized that her people were condemned, Mordecai, he challenged her position of comfort. She's in a position of comfort. She is, she is in a place where, where she has anything she wants, when she wants, where she wants. How, she's the queen of the whole civilized world. She has a great position of comfort. Her people are condemned. She's in a position of comfort, and he's challenging her to realize her purpose for being there. God had placed her there. Her position was, was challenged. Uh, her, her, her people were condemned, and, 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 and her purpose in life, all of a sudden, as we're reading our text, begins to become clear. She realizes, man, God's put me in this place for this time. I've been placed here for this purpose. I am here to save my race of people. That's why I'm on the planet. That's why I'm in this cushy job. That's why I went from being a young Jewish girl to being the queen of the whole world. God's put me here for such a time as this. And, and I really wanted to preach that message tonight, but I don't believe the Lord's let us do that. Instead, we're going to preach on, on, on this statement that she makes when Mordecai is trying to plead with her to say, your people are condemned, our people are condemned, and he's challenging her position of comfort. In order to help her purpose become clear, she sends back to Mordecai this message. She said, everybody knows that you can't come into the king unless you've been invited into his presence. And if you're not invited into his presence and you just walk in there, if he doesn't hold the golden scepter out, you die. And everybody, if you read his uh, history, brother, amen, this king was not a nice man, all right? Uh, the, 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 this king was out of a line of kings. It was either him or, or someone in, in his lineage that disemboweled his own mother to see the womb that bore him. These are not nice people. And, and, and this is her husband. And, and she's realizing there's a fear that she has. If I go there, my life could be on the line. And it's while all this turmoil is in her mind that she says, I have not been called to come in under the king. I've not been called. I, I, and basically what she's saying is, I, I don't think I can go in there. I haven't been called by the king. I haven't been, my presence has not been requested. I, I've not been called. And that's what I'd like to preach on tonight. And I'd like to change it. Take, I'm using that phrase because that phrase jumped off the Bible at me when I was reading, I was actually preaching the other message and that phrase jumped off the Bible because I cannot tell you how many times that here we are in 2021 and our race is condemned by a copy of a decree from the king called the word of God. The Bible said all have sinned. Is that right? And the Bible said the wages of sin is death. Is that right? That is exactly right. And the Bible said death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Is that right? This is the second death. We are condemned because of our sin. We are condemned sinners on our way to hell. Those, uh, listen, I'm talking about our race now, but those of us that are saved, we're no longer under condemnation. We've been delivered from that condemnation. We're saved by the grace of God, therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God, and there's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so we find here that in 2021, we have a whole race of people, our race, that's condemned, Brother Hugo. We're under the condemnation and the sentence of death with a copy of the decree from the king 
And God has put you and God has put me into a position of comfort. Many of us, especially here in this country, amen, we get more by accident here than what the rest of the world gets on purpose, amen. That's the truth. God's put us in this position of comfort to help our purpose to become clear. But I'm afraid many of us find ourselves exactly where Esther found herself. When challenged to do something about the condemnation of her race, we make statements like this, but I've not been called. I've not been called. There's really no responsibility. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm just little old me, and I've not really been called. I, I, I don't have a calling to do something about it. And that's what I want to preach on tonight. I've not been called. In, 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 in a world where the human race is under the condemnation of Almighty God because of their sin, and where the Holy Spirit has already called on Christians. If you're saved in, in, in one manner of speaking, you are already called, amen, generally speaking. God's called us to spread the gospel of the grace of God and with a holy Bible that says, go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, the response of the average independent Baptist young person that I talk to when I'm out traveling around is this right here. Well, I've not been called. I talk to 24-year-olds, 25-year-olds, 26-year-olds, and I'll ask them a question like this. Hey, what's your purpose in life? I don't know. That, that bothers me. Uh, because I, I've learned that those that aim at nothing, those that shoot at nothing, hit it every time. Nothing. Uh, well, I, have, you know, I say, what's your purpose? Well, are you praying about your purpose? Well, not really. Well, if you're not praying about your purpose, if you, you're going to end up spending your life, friend, and never fulfilled your purpose. Do you understand if you're here tonight, you have a purpose by God at this time in history to be on this planet for a people? Amen. You have a, you have a purpose for being here. And so I want to preach on that thought tonight. I've not been called. I guess here's how I want to preach it. Are you sure you haven't been called? Are you sure you haven't been called? Are you sure? All right. Now, as, as, as I begin the message, I, I, want to, I want to strongly, strongly emphasize that, that I believe in, let's say it this way, Brother Springer, the call of God, amen, to be in the ministry. I believe in the call of God to be a pastor. I believe in the call of God to be a missionary. I believe that. And so I don't want anybody to walk out of here misunderstanding that, saying Brother Upman's espousing volunteerism into the ministry on the mission field. I believe strongly in the call of God. And I could give you a strong biblical argument for that. I mean, Barnabas and Saul, Acts chapter number 13, verse 1 and 2. God comes to the church at Antioch and says, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Amen. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers, amen. Uh, whom shall I send and who will go for us, amen. So we see there's many. Paul, called to be an apostle by the will of God, separated under the gospel of God. So I don't want anybody walking out saying, Brother Upman doesn't believe in the call of God. I believe in the call of God. I do believe this, though. I believe we have a fundamental misunderstanding many times of what the call of God is. And, and the call, I'm talking about the specific call of God, that special calling of God to be a missionary, amen, to be a preacher. I think we have sometimes a fundamental misunderstanding of how that call works. Of, I, I, you know, sometimes I think we're waiting. I've heard, I've heard preachers stand up and talk about how they were called of God to preach. And they'll talk about some almost out-of-this-world experience that happened to them. And that's how I know I was called. I'm like, that's not how you know you're called of God. I mean, preachers say stuff like, you know, the hair on my back stood straight up. I'm like, I don't even have any hair on my back. Amen. I'm, I must not can be called of God. Amen. I prayed if it was God's will, there'd be a lightning bolt at this place. And there was. That's not how God works. So I want to explain the call of God in as a simplistic way that I can to help you understand. Because maybe, just maybe, somebody has been called. Amen. Maybe, just maybe, God is calling some and we're not 
hearing the call of God. So I want to focus on it from that point of view tonight. Amen. Now, I want to talk about the call of God. And again, just, just, to, just to kind of lay a backdrop here for the message, we're living in a world with 7.9 billion people. That's hard to imagine. That is hard to imagine. 7.9 billion people. I can't get my brain wrapped around 800,000 people in South Dakota. 31 or 32 million people in Ghana. When I was there in 2015, when I lived there, it was only 25 million. I mean, almost 7 million increase. I, I, can't, I can't wrap my brain around those numbers. That, that's just too big for this little mind to understand. But do you know it's not too big for God to understand? And God knows every one of those souls. God has the hairs of their head numbered, amen. And it's not God's will that any one of them perish, but that all of them come to repentance. That's his will. But Romans says, how shall they how shall they believe on him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be, what's the next word? Sent. Amen. They've got to be sent. They've, somebody's got to hear the call of God somewhere. Somebody's got to respond to the call of somewhere. Uh, God to go somewhere. Somebody's got to go to where God's calling. And I'm just telling you, in a world, listen, my dad was born, and I'll get to the message in just a minute. I promise it'll go fast when I get there, all right? But in 1950, that's the year my dad was born, Brother Beckman, 1950, there was, uh, and you can check me out because I always get the number mixed up, it was either 2.5 or 3.5 billion people. I know that's a, that's a big difference. But, but 2 to 3.5 billion people on the planet in 1950, when you look at statistics, I always get my number mixed up. America was sending out 100,000 missionaries under the evangelical umbrella in the year 1950. In the year 2021, there's, there's 7.9 billion, which means that we've doubled, almost tripled, if you look at the 3.5 billion mark, our world population. I'm not making this stuff up. You can go Google this tonight. Not while I'm preaching, but after the service. Amen. In the same period of time, my father's lifetime, the population of the world's doubled, almost tripled, and the missionary labor force going out of the United States of America has dwindled from 100,000 down to 30,000 under the same umbrella. That's not just Baptists, there's about 7,200 independent Baptists that I know of, amen, uh, that's going out, but 30,000 under the evangelical umbrella. That means while the world's population has at least doubled, the missionary force has declined by two-thirds. Now, do you believe that's the will of God? Uh, not in a, not, no, I do not believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Do you, what kind, Stand Up Blue, Evangelist Stand Up Blue would say for years and years, what kind of a God would send his son to die on the cross for the sins of the world? What kind of a God would ask of his son to bleed and die in the manner that Jesus Christ bled and died on Calvary? What kind of a God would ask his son to do that and then fail to send people to reach people in the uttermost parts of the world with the message of his son that died and how they can be saved? Why would you send your son to die and then not send anybody to go tell people? The problem is it's not that God does not call. It's men who will not respond. Amen. Men will not respond to the call of God. And I think within our circles, if I could put it that way, within our independent Baptist churches, I believe one of the many reasons that men are not responding, and when it comes to the call of missions, men, women, boys, and girls are not responding, is I believe there's a fundamental misunderstanding of what the call of God is. And we've made it into something that maybe it's not. So let's talk about it just for a minute. The call of God, the call of God. God's specific call. Let me give you three points. I'm going to make these really quick, as quick as I can. Number one, number one, and if you have any questions, please talk to me after the service while we're working out here in the kitchen together, all right? Uh, uh, number one, God's specific call is always, 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 always spoken through the scriptures. Amen. Where there is a voice, there must be a verse. Because God speaks through his word. 
God is not speaking through other means than his word. We have to understand that where there is a call, I promise you, there where, where you sense a present call of God, it's because there was already a call in the scripture. There was already a command in the scripture. And when God calls us, he calls us from his word. This is called the word of God. So when God speaks to us, the only way that he has obligated himself to speak to us in this dispensation, in this time period, is through the word of God. So here's my question. Are you sure you haven't been called? Because if you're not reading the word of God every day, how can you know if he's spoken to your heart or not? Can, can I say this to the church? We are living in a very uneducated, spiritually speaking, church uh, a church time period, and it's not because pastors aren't trying to do their best to educate from behind the pulpit, but it's because many Christians are not reading their Bibles on a regular basis. The pastor talked this morning about the 90 day Bible challenge, and I was like, glory to God, amen. We, if you're going to hear the voice of God, friend, it'll be through this right here. You're not going to have your television turned on listening to your favorite prophet, amen, from some, you know, the hour of power, amen, and say, woo, I felt the call of God. It doesn't work that way. God speaks through his word, amen. And I encourage people, get in the word of God. Read the word of God. Listen, to, man, listen, you get your iPhone out, amen. Plug in Bible.is, amen, and listen to the word of God. Be in church every time the doors are open and listen as God's man preaches the word of God. Because if God's going to call, it's going to be through the preaching and the reading and the listening to of the word of God. That's how he calls. God is not obligated and will not call through the emotion of a man. God, you know, people say, well, you know, and listen, I'm not, if you was watching my mission presentation and you saw Romans 15, 20, and 21, and God dealt with your heart through a missions presentation to go be a missionary because the word of God that was on there and God spoke to your heart through his word, praise God. But I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of people say, well, you know, I got called because I watched the missions program somewhere. I watched the missions presentation somewhere and we saw the pictures of the little kids, amen. And we, that's not how God calls. God does not work through emotion. God does not work through circumstance to call a man. God works through his word. I want to beg the young people, especially of this church, get in the word of God. Get in the word of God. Get to know the Word of God. In getting to know the Word of God, you'll get to know the will of God. Amen. He'll reveal His will for your life. He'll reveal His calling, His purpose for your life at this time just by getting in this book right here. You say, well, preacher, show that to me from the Scripture. I'm glad you asked. Amen. Genesis chapter number 12. The Bible, we talk about the call of God with Abraham. The Bible said in Genesis chapter number 12, verse 1, 2, and 3, and I won't read the whole thing, but the Bible said, now the Lord had said unto Abraham, get thee out. There's a whole message right there, preacher called, get out, amen. God came to him and said, get out. I'm telling you, God has the ability to work through that scripture, to talk to a heart even in this service tonight and say, it's time to get out. It's time to go. It's time to get thee out. God, where am I going? Go to a land that I'll show thee of, amen. And there I'll make of thee a great nation. I'm just telling you that Abraham responded to the call of God and the call of God came from the voice of God and the voice of God was the word of God, Amen. We, 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 we find in Isaiah chapter number 6, there's Isaiah. And he said, also, watch it, I heard the voice. Isn't that what it says? I heard the voice of the Lord God saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah heard a voice. And, and that voice was recorded in Scripture. And you can hear that same voice tonight. Amen. I mean, the Spirit of God could. The Spirit of God, while I'm preaching, the Spirit of God could tug somebody's heart with that same Scripture tonight because that Scripture is just as present and just as powerful now as it was when Isaiah heard it. Amen. That's how you hear the call of God 
through the pages of Scripture, through the verses of God's Word. The voice of God comes through the verses of His Word. It doesn't come through your favorite TV preacher. It doesn't come through an emotional experience. It doesn't come through a burden about seeing poor people somewhere. It comes from the Word of God. Amen. Romans 1, again, I quoted it. But Paul, servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated in the gospel of God. Just, just the word called. It means somebody's calling. Hello. Beck May, I'm calling. Beck May. Beck May, amen. Brother Spranger, I'm calling. You can't, you can't hear my voice if you're not in my presence. You can't hear the voice of God if you're not in his presence. We've got people in America, we've got people in our churches saying, well, I've never been called of God, and truth be, they haven't read the Word of God in months and months and months. They have no kind of a daily Bible reading routine. They're not faithful to listen to the Word of God be preached. How can you hear the Word of God and the voice of God and the call of God if you're not in the presence of God? See, I don't think, I don't, see, that's the problem right there. I don't think many of us are waiting on a call from God. I think we're waiting on a kick in the backside from some emotional experience or some circumstance that's never going to come. God speaks through his word. He speaks through his word. I got to move on, all right? There's, there's a lot of things I'd like to say here, but I want to keep it quick, all right? Number two, and I promise I just skipped over 15 minutes of good Bible preaching right there, amen. You'll be glad later on I did, all right? But number two, what God, so, so the point I'm making is that God speaks, anybody missed the point? God speaks through his word. If you're called of God, you got your call from the Word of God. I challenge any preacher, any missionary, anywhere at any time. To, you, you're going to tell me you're called of God? Show me the Bible. Amen. Show me how God called you. Show me where God called you. Show, where there's a voice, there's a verse. Amen. You come and ask me, Romans 15, 20, 21. I can tell you every time. I can tell you where I was sitting when God spoke to my heart in a Christian missions class at Tabernacle Baptist Bible College, Greenville, South Carolina, and God spoke to my heart as we read that, and those verses came alive, and they came off the page at me, and I knew when I read those verses what God's will for my life was. Amen. God speaks to his word. Number two, number two, and, and I know some may disagree with what I'm about to say, and that's okay if you want to disagree. We can respectfully disagree, but I believe I'll give you a Bible argument for it uh, and, and why I'm saying what I'm saying. But God's call is only heard, and watch the wording again, it's only heard by those that are sanctified. And, and here's where there's a big disconnect, I think, here in America. Uh, God's call to the ministry, God's call to be a missionary, God's call to say, hey, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I want to send you to Ghana. I want to send you to Congo. Amen. I want to send you to Jamaica. Amen. I want to send you to Washington. I want to send you to South Dakota. I want to send you. God's call is spoken and it's heard by those that are sanctified. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, Paul called to be an apostle separated. There, there's, there's a separation. There's a sanctification. Separated from his sin. Separated from himself. Separated to the Savior. Separated to the calls of reaching sinners with the gospel. And in a general sense, I know that all of us have that general call to go ye. Amen. In, in a general sense, you're either a missionary or a mission field. Amen. You, you're going to walk out of here tonight a mission field lost and needing to be saved, or you're going to walk out of here a missionary trying to reach your neighbor, your friend at Walmart, your uh, you know, uh, 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 employee that you work with. Uh, you, you're going to walk out of here being a missionary to him. I understand the general call. That's a command from Scripture that all of us have to obey. But I'm talking tonight about the special, the specific call of God because I'm telling you, in a church this size, I believe with all my heart that God Almighty is looking, God is wanting, God is desiring to call people 
people out of this church to go to places unreached, points unreached, to the regions beyond, to carry the gospel to people who otherwise will never hear. Listen, I've, I'm, I'm telling you, man, some of these folks know what I'm talking about. They've come from places like what I'm talking about. There are places in your world right now, amen, here stateside and on the other side of the world. I've been to villages in Ghana, and I've looked in the faces of children, and I know, Brother Springer, I know that if we don't go back, nobody else will, amen. When you go to the airport, there aren't lines that say missionaries only. It's just not that way. We see village after, you know, we quote that missions quote that Robert Moffat gave 250 years ago, and then David Livingston comes right behind him, and, and his son-in-law gives the same quote, and he talks about how that in the, uh, the, the, the smoke of the early morning sun, he, uh, or excuse me, uh, in, in, in the light of the early morning sun, he saw the smoke of a thousand villages where the gospel's not yet been. Can I fast forward that to 2021? You can look out and see tens of thousands of villages, amen, where the gospel has not yet been. And you look at those places and you say, if I don't go, if I don't answer the call of God, nobody's going to go. And you'll not convince me that God's only calling, only calling Brother Rutman. Beck May was taught me before the service, and I keep talking about Beck May tonight, amen. But he's taught me before the service and said, have you ever thought about the Congo? He said, I'm, I'm only one. And somebody else this morning after the service was talking asked me if I've been to another place in Africa. I said, I'd love to go. Right now, man, I'm, I'm supposed to go be visiting the vice president of a closed African nation right now, of, of a war-torn African nation. The problem is there's only one of me. You can't go everywhere. You can't do it. It's, it's not possible, and God never meant for it to be that way. God's calling more than one. He's calling more than two. He's calling more than three. God's calling, but people aren't in the word of God. And then point number two, people, people aren't, they're, they're not sanctified. Watch, watch these Watch these words here. Watch, watch these verses here. In our text, Esther, she just wasn't any young lady. And she was as pure as the driven snow. Amen. And according to Esther chapter number 2, verse 2, she was a fair young virgin. And according to Exodus chapter 2, verse 3, she had to go through a process of purification before she could come into the presence of the king. Amen. And that was an old ungodly king. She had to be purified. Read about it. Exodus chapter number two, verse number three. And she had to be purified with the oil of myrrh. Man, there's, a wonderful, man, there's, some, there's some wonderful types there, amen, because we get purified through the oil of the Holy Ghost and all this good stuff. And, and I'm just simply saying here, and then Esther two, verse four, so let the maiden which pleaseth the king be queen. You can read those verses. And, and I'm just simply saying, if an old ungodly king wouldn't allow a Jewish girl in his presence until she was purified and, and she pleased him, how much more will the holy God of heaven allow us into his presence and use us for his glory until we're purified and we can please him? You say, you believe that, Pastor Up? And I believe that with all of my heart. You say, well, that's just a type, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that. That's just a type. So let's get down to the substance then. I, because everything I'm reading in Esther is just a type. But let's get to the substance again. Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah, he, he hears the voice. We already read it. He, verse number six, also I heard the voice of the Lord God saying, whom shall I send and who will go? Then said I, Lord, here am I, send me. But when did he hear the call of God? After he was in the presence of God? And after he was purged by God. Remember, remember back in verses, I think three, remember the verses there? He said, woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. Mine eyes have seen the Lord. And the Lord sent a seraphim down, or cherubim, and, or seraphim, I get it right, and, 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 and purged his lips with, an, with, with, with a coal from the altar. You remember the story there? 
Vance Havner, and I quoted this yesterday to the Sunday school teacher who brought a good Sunday school lesson this morning. But Vance Havner said, we're trying to get a, a generation of young people to volunteer and say, here I am, and they've never learned how to say, woe is me. Can I tell you, I see a meme that goes around on social networking, and maybe you can help me after the service, because I'm sure there has got to be there, there's got to be a meaning that I'm missing. Sometimes I'm just, I'm a country boy, and I don't, I don't get some of these memes. And it's like God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I look at that, and I'm like, it's, it's, that just doesn't make sense to me. It, it seems to me that when I read the Scripture, God said, be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. There's a responsibility on our part once we're saved to separate from sin. And I know the way we do that is by yielding to the Spirit of God. I get that. Amen. But I'm simply saying that if I'm a child of God and I have known sin in my life and it comes down to me living for God or serving sin and I choose sin, God cannot use me in His service. The Bible said in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, I think verse 20 through 22, that region right there, the Bible said in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. God said, if a man therefore shall purge himself from these, there is a responsibility on the part of the Christian right there. If a man therefore will purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, set apart, fit, meet for the master's use. Can I tell you? I'm prepared to never good work. Can I tell you that, that man, I'm telling you, yesterday, how many of y'all enjoyed that Mother's Day banquet? Amen. I mean, that's good, wasn't it? I mean, we did the cooking outside. I just helped with the cooking, amen. I just kind of ran around and did what I was told to do, amen. And, uh, but I couldn't wait to get to the steak. I said, well, the ladies can have the salmon and the mushroom, amen. And I want to get to the steak, all right. And I was hungry. And I couldn't wait because I, li I like to eat. I'm just being honest with you, amen. Someone said, you eat to live or live to eat. I said, both, to be honest with you, amen. I like it both ways around. I'm excited about eating. You're excited about eating. But what if you come in yesterday and there's that steak those mushrooms and the salmon and the fish and all that good stuff. What if you picked up your plate? And when you picked up your plate and somebody got ready to put on some food on that plate, man, you saw somebody else's leftover macaroni and cheese and their yolky eggs from yesterday. You said, we're just going to put it on that plate for you. How many of you would want to eat it? I would. <laughs> You're the exception, brother. Amen. All right. Don't mess up my illustration. Amen. All right. It was good. <laughs> But I'm not interested in eating today's food on yesterday's dishes. I certainly am not interested in eating my food on your dishes that are unclean, that you have ate. I don't care how clean you are. If your dishes aren't washed, I don't want to eat. Listen, I worked at Golden Crab when I was a young person, four years. I'm just telling you, you go to those kind of restaurants, you better look in the coffee cup before the waitress pours your coffee in there. Amen. Because them dishwashers do not clean everything on the inside of those coffee cups. And we've seen floaties of every kind, unidentified floating objects, amen, in those coffee cups. I'm just telling you, you don't wanna, I was come, I'll tell you this story, true story. I was coming back from uh, years ago. I'd come out, I was in a meeting down where Andy Wells pastors right now. Uh, back then, Steve Griffith pastored there. And I'd come out of a meeting there, a missions conference, I'm talking about years ago, and come out of Charlotte, went up to Wheeling, West Virginia, picked up my wife's dad, and we were making a straight run all the way to Selby, South Dakota. And that was like almost 30 hours. It was a long ways, and we was going straight through, not stopping to sleep. And we come up, uh, and if anybody knows the Midwestern part of the country, come out of Kansas City on I-29, and it's a straight shot all the way up to I-12, or not I-12, but, but Highway 12 there in South Dakota, and go over to Selby, and that's like eight hours of driving. It, it is, you know. So we're coming up, and we've been driving a day now. We got out of a Wednesday night service. It's now Thursday night. It's about 11 o'clock. Nothing in Sioux Falls is open after 11 o'clock when it comes to fast food restaurants on the interstate. They're all closed down 
at 11 o'clock. We're coming through Sioux City, uh, Iowa, and then northern Sioux City, South Dakota. And just when you cross the South Dakota state line, there's a, there's a McDonald's there, and it's the last place that's going to be open until we get home, which is going to be a long time. You're talking another six, seven, eight hours uh, just from that point on. And we thought, man, we got to stop at that McDonald's and get something to eat. So back in those days, that's where everybody got all health conscious and got weird, amen, and got on all these diets, amen. And so you go to McDonald's, and, and, and by the way, McDonald's, you, you call me crazy, but I still like McDonald's, amen. You say, you're weird. I, I'm a missionary, amen. I still like McDonald's, all right. And uh, so, so, so we come out of there, and I ordered a Big Mac. I love a Big Mac. And I said, supersize it. I love everything supersized back then, amen. I can't now because of all my health problems because I wasn't health conscious. But uh, supersize it. And so got the Big Mac, the supersized fries, supersized drink. And then I said I want a large strawberry milkshake. Man, back in those days, man, I'm telling you, I could put her down, amen. I, did, I, I wasn't so skinny like I am now, you know. And, and this is not by choice. I didn't go on a diet to have this happen. I went to Africa, brother, amen. Huh? And then got diabetes, and, uh, and it just happened, all right. But uh, it's, a, it's a great weight loss program, all right? And uh, so, so, so I'm talking to my father-in-law. We're coming up, ate the Big Mac, ate the fries, drank my drink, and I'm on my milkshake. I, love a, I used to love a strawberry milkshake. Can't do it much now because of diabetes. But, man, I, and, and we get about 45. We're not quite to Sioux Falls yet. We're about 45 minutes out, you know, up the road. Everything's shut down. That McDonald's is shut down now. And I'm talking to my father-in-law. And while I'm talking to him, I realize there's something in my mouth. And... Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. And, and, and I'm talking, and I have a hard time multitasking, so I can't do two things at one time. And uh, so I've been talking to him, but all of a sudden it dawned on me, I'm chewing on something. And, and, and I just thought it's, it's a piece of ice that was in the bottom of the, of the milkshake, you know. So I just kept chewing and chewing. I'm talking. I'm, I'm not paying t- much attention. And then after about another minute, I'm like, that, that ice did not melt. What? I, we got to stop. The, I've got to mentally stop this conversation and figure out what's in my mouth. Put the light on. I said, hold on a minute. And, and it's like chewy, and, and, and I spit it out, and I found myself in my, in my fingers. I'm not kidding. I'm not, this ain't a preacher story. I promise you this. This happened to me. That was the largest fingernail I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> it was in my milkshake, and it came through my straw in my mouth, and I've been chewing it for probably four or five minutes at this point. <laughs> Somebody else's milk. And I'm going to tell you, as much as I love McDonald's, and as much as I love Big Macs, and French fries, and Super Size, I was sick on the spot. I'm, I'm eating somebody else's fingernail. That was my thoughts, precisely, just not quite as loud. Amen. That was nasty. That was filthy. I did not want any more strawberry milkshakes for a long time from McDonald's. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying we don't like dirty, unclean things in our service, do we? We like it clean. If it's going to come into my mouth, it's got to be clean. No fingernails, please. <laughs> if it's going to come into my mouth, it's get, it, listen, if it's going to be on my plate, I want it clean. We want clean vessels if we're going to use them. How much more does the thrice holy God of heaven demand, deserve clean vessels in his service? I'm just telling you, God's calling one of the problems we have in the United States of America as a missionary, we're in independent Baptist churches, and we, man, you can't call every church you go into and try to get everything about them and send out a search warrant to find out what they believe on every bit of doctrine. We're in a large variety of independent Baptist churches. We try our best to only be in independent Baptist churches. There's certain circles I've drawn that, I, like, if I get there and find out this is going on, we're just not going to stay. It's just things that we do. You've got to draw lines in your life. But we get into places, and I'm telling you, one of the greatest 
areas of trouble in our independent Baptist churches is that we have churches that are preaching a salvation message wonderfully. I mean, they're preaching it right on salvation, repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's a wonderful message, and we get into those kind of services, and we preach these kind of messages, and we see kids and young people come down to an altar to surrender to be missionaries, and there's a big emphasis on salvation. Skip. There's a big emphasis on surrender and serving but there's not a word about sanctification, separation, personal separation from sin and from self to the Savior. There's not a word about there's a practical responsibility when it comes to making sure that you're holy. Be you holy as I'm holy. And I'm just telling you, one of the reasons I don't think we can hear the voice of God is because we're not in the presence of God. And I don't think a lot of us are clean where God can use us. Amen. We can't hear his call because we're too much involved in our own sin and our sinful pleasures and in our worldly pleasures and sometimes not even sinful things. They're just not expedient things. And we're blind to the fact that millions and billions of people are going to hell without a stop, without, without anybody to say the bridge is out. Man, you're going you're gonna to go off the cliff of life into the pits of the dam. And I'm talking to millions and billions of people are going and there's nobody there to say stop. Let me just warn you, let me tell you, there's a way to be saved because we're so busy focused on our lives and the pleasures of our sins and, the ple and we're saved and going to heaven and rejoicing about heaven and half of our world's never even heard the name of Jesus Christ one time. And it burdens me. And I think that's one of the reasons we don't hear the call of God. We're just not in his presence. We're just, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And we just can't hear his voice. Lastly, lastly, I, I, and again, a lot of things I need to jump over. But my last point about the call of God. Number one, the call of God spoken through the scripture. Number two, the call of God is spoken to those, or, or I maybe rephrase it, it is heard by those who are sanctified. Number three, God's specific call always reveals and defines his purpose for your life. He may not reveal and define everything up front, but when God begins to call you to a specific people, a specific purpose, a specific place, amen, at a specific time, God begins, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, right? And, and the path of the justice is a shining light, and it shineth more and more under the perfect day. And God, just one day at a time, he says, I want you to be in my service, and you answer. And then in time, God shows you the people. And in time, God shows you the place. And in time, God shows you the time. He shows you all of that. And so his, his call reveals his purpose for your life, for your existence. It defines his purpose. Do you know, you are, listen, you may be here tonight and you say, well, preacher, that all sounds good, but I'm, man, you, know, uh, you talk about God having a purpose. I'm not even here on purpose. I'm an accident. No, you're not. Uh, preacher, you don't understand. I wasn't supposed to be born. I'm an accident. My mom was a victim of what? I, can I just tell you? You're not here on accident. You're here by purpose from Almighty God. God says live, and if God said live and allowed you to live and allowed you to breathe and allowed you to be born and allowed you to live, that God has a purpose for your life. You're not a divine accident. You're not a coincidence. You are here on purpose by a God of purpose with a purpose for your life. Here's my question. Do you know the purpose of God for your life? I can tell you, not in a prideful way, but in a confident way, I know the purpose of God for my life. Do you know the purpose of God for your life? Have you discovered your purpose. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brother, by the mercy of God, I'll quote it fast, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. There's that separation. We're talking about sanctification. Holy, 
that sanctification, separation, right? Uh, acceptable unto God. See, you can't be acceptable by Him until you're holy, amen, which is a reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove. What's that word prove there? It means to discern, to try, to discover, amen, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you. Now, here's my question. Are you sure you're not called? You say, well, I don't know if I've been called, but are you sure? Whether it's a special calling to be a missionary, whether it's the specific call to preach or not, God has a purpose for your life. And in that sense, we say God has a calling for everyone here. If I have to prove to the preacher, and I do, and I should, if I have to prove to the church, and I do, and I should, my calling of God to be a missionary, should not every Christian have to prove the will of God for his or her life? Does God say, with all the people that got to prove my will is those I call to be missionaries and preachers? No, 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 no. God has a will for every life here. Whether you're ever called to be a missionary in that sense, and a God has a will for your life. Have you discovered it? You say, well, no, I really haven't. Then how do you know you're not called to be a missionary? How do you know you're not called to be a pastor? How do you know if you haven't even been looking? God in his providence put Esther in a place to save a race of people from condemnation. And her response was just, I've not been called to come into his presence. She had a higher calling. She had been placed there for a purpose from the king of kings. And she discovered her purpose when she was challenged by Mordecai. I believe God's let me come here tonight, amen, to you to challenge you, amen, to discover your purpose for your life, your God-given purpose for your life. You say, really, preacher? There, there, is a, there is a purpose for my life? At the age of 12, Jesus knew his purpose. As, as a boy, he said, wish you not, I must be about my father's business. He knew his father's business. Do you know your father's business for you at the age of 12? You can. He knew it. For this cause was I born, is what he said. For this purpose, I came into the world. What you, what, if, if you had to stand before God and justify your reason for his creating you, his reason for your existence, what would you say to God? What would you say to him? If you had to stand before him tonight and say, Lord, you placed me on this planet at this time in history with what purpose? I don't know. Are you squandering your life? Are you wandering around, amen? Or do you know God's will? You say, man, preacher, if I've got to discover God's will, I might find out God called me to be a missionary, right? <laughs> you might. And you might find out that God's called you to be a faithful member of Berean Baptist Church the rest of your life and be the best missionary you can be right here for the glory of God. Amen. Looking at these kind of subjects, studying these kind of questions, trying to find these kind of answers, it'll either shake you up real bad or it'll settle you down real good. And I think we need shook up. Half of our world lies in darkness, having never heard the name of Jesus Christ. We need some shaking up somewhere. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, have you discovered your purpose? He has a purpose for your life. His purpose will always involve people in a place at a period of time in history. Always, always. I don't care who you are. There's a pe I don't care if you're never called to be a missionary to Africa. You're living on the street you're living on, and your purpose is to reach people on your street at this time with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm never going to meet those people, but you see them every day. Start by doing what you know is God's will now and praying about God's purpose. What is your purpose for my life? God, I want, I want to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for me. You've been placed here 2021. You're still here. Why? Why are you here? 
Can you imagine if we look back through world history? Could you, every man has a purpose. Even people that we don't, I mean, we look historically, our history professor could tell us some things here. I mean, men, men that were not even saved, but they served a purpose. What's, what's World War II without Winston Churchill? Have you ever studied World War II? Have you ever studied Winston Churchill? Man, there, Winston Churchill, when things got bad and, 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 and they were being called upon to make a decision, Winston Churchill had all of his generals and all of those officers around him, and he was explaining how serious this is. Study this stuff out in history. He's explaining how serious things were, and, and one by one, history tells us, the generals began hanging their heads as they heard of the demise, uh, of, of the destruction, of all, all the discouraging report that Mr. Churchill was telling them. They hung their head until every one of them had their heads hung. And then Winston Churchill said, frankly, gentlemen, this all inspires me. <laughs> he was a man born for that moment to accomplish his purpose in world history. You're born for this moment. What people group does God want you reaching? What place does God want you serving? What period of time does God want you actively involved in the will of God? Do you know? Are you looking? I'm just trying to challenge you. Are you looking? Are you looking? Who knoweth? Who knoweth? Mordecai to Esther. Who knoweth? whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And can I tell you, you have been brought to Puyallup, Washington, Berean Baptist Church on whatever the day's date is, amen, for such a time as this, amen. What are you going to do about it? I've done my job as the preacher, amen, as the missionary coming in. I've preached on missions. I've preached what God told me to preach tonight. I'll lay my head down in that beautiful room over there, in that king bed on those wonderful pillows, and I'll sleep well tonight because I preached the will of God. I'll leave knowing I was obedient to the Lord. What's your purpose? Have you found your purpose? Could it be that God's calling people in this church, not just in the general sense, but in the specific sense, go you therefore? I heard the voice of the Lord God. There are people all over the place that need a missionary. There are places all over our country right here that need churches, churches that need pastored. What are you doing? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, please now, Lord, it's hard for the preacher to explain. Lord, there has been tremendous liberty here and ease in preaching the word of God. I believe that you've prepared this place, Lord God, through the preaching that's already gone on here for years and years and years. Lord God, we're here tonight. And Lord, I cannot believe that you would give a message like this if you weren't working in hearts and preparing hearts. And whether it's now or later on that that's revealed, I pray you'd reveal it, Lord I pray that people would consider, Lord, Lord, maybe you're calling someone here right now and they're just hearing the voice of God, Lord, in this matter for the first time. Maybe you've been calling through preaching and Sunday school teaching and Bible reading that's been going on, Lord, for months and years, and, and, and Lord, people are hearing it again tonight. I don't know, Lord God, but if so, Lord, I pray people would listen and respond as Isaiah and say, Lord, hear my, send me. And Lord God, maybe there's people here tonight that have never even considered the call of God. They've never even considered a mission field. They've never even considered the possibility of being a pastor or being a pastor's wife, a missionary's wife, an evangelist's wife, somewhere serving God in that capacity. Lord, I pray, Lord, that they'd at least come. Lord, there's church members here, God. Maybe they don't know what their purpose for life is. And they're faithful, but they just don't. They just, as the missionary says, this is the will of God. They can't say with confidence, this is the will of God. Lord, I pray they'd come to an altar tonight. And Lord, I pray they'd just come to the altar with a sincere heart, Lord, 
asking you, what's your will for my life? I want to prove your will for my life. I want to prove my purpose for existence. God, show it to me so I can spend the rest of my life doing it. Lord, we have so, well, the Sunday school teacher, Lord, it really burdened my heart this morning. He talked about the, our, our life is like a vapor. And Lord, in, in the big picture of eternity, before that vapor even hits the ground, it's gone. And in the spectrum of eternity, Lord, and our time here is so short. And Lord, if Lord, if I live to be an old man, I'm almost 50 years old now. I'll never make it another 50 years. I won't. I know that, Lord God. That means I'm over half life. We've got, and Lord, we don't know when we're going to die. Lord, I might be at 80%. Lord, there's folks here that are at 90%, 80%, 70%. They've only got 20, 30, 40%. Some young and don't know that their time is short. God, help us to get serious about finding and fulfilling the purpose that you have for our lives, I pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.